Euh, dites donc, Nadej, euh, comment aviez-vous recruté le nouveau si rapidement la dernière fois Bah, LinkedIn. Ah bon, parce que là, j'ai besoin de toute urgence d'un ingénieur en IA. Alors, où est-ce qu'on peut le trouver Bah, LinkedIn. Mais j'ai pas le temps de voir mille candidats, moi. Comment on va faire Bah, LinkedIn. Bah, 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 bah. Vu l'urgence, vous êtes vraiment confiante, Nadej Bah, oui. Avec 8 personnes recrutées par minute sur LinkedIn, pour tous vos recrutements, il y a, bah, LinkedIn. Pour en savoir plus, rendez-vous sur linkedin.com slash je recrute. This has been a bubbling point. When you have such a race problem in a community, that becomes sort of like a cauldron for this type of hate to grow. And so I knew at some point that we would get to this. I just didn't realize that it was going to be a Nazi homeschool. This is Courtney Lang. She's a former resident of Upper Sandusky, Ohio, where a neo-Nazi homeschool network was unmasked in January of this year. I started this because I really was having a rough time finding Nazi-approved school material for my homeschooled children. And this is Katya Lawrence, or Mrs. Saxon, as she was known on the Telegram channel for the homeschooling network. So the dissident homeschool was ran on a third-party alt-right site, and they were running this account and this forum under fake names. Katya started the dissident homeschool network with her husband, Logan, and on that channel, they shared overtly white supremacist lesson plans and course materials for their subscribers. Teachers have not earned the privilege to make any mistake with my kids. Teachers have not earned the privilege to teach my children about Martin Luther King Day at all. The over 2,000 members of the group used racist, homophobic and anti-Semitic slurs without shame and quoted Hitler and other Nazi leaders daily. They really wanted to educate their children to be good Nazis. They said that it was just fun and it was wholesome. Even the nice schools, they don't keep your kids safe. So I started the homeschool channel in hopes of preventing others from struggling as much as we did in the beginning. So in January of this year, I decided to join this neo-Nazi homeschool network to find out what they were teaching and how they could get away with it. And it very quickly became clear to me that despite the abhorrent nature of the subject matter they were sharing, there was very little oversight into what they were doing. Which really opened up the much larger question of how homeschooling is regulated across America. New details are emerging tonight about an online channel called Dissident Homeschool. It has more than 2,600 subscribers. These posts are by users who go by Mr. and Mrs. Saxon. in Upper Sandusky are using a neo-Nazi-approved curriculum for homeschool. Senate Democrats in Ohio have denounced the online homeschool and are calling for stronger oversight of homeschooling. We are so deeply invested into making sure that that child becomes a wonderful I'm Ariel Zimros. And I'm David Gilbert, senior reporter for Vice News. And this is Vice News Reports. So, David, you broke this story about this neo-Nazi homeschool network. How did you find them? I suppose I was first alerted to their presence by a group of anti-fascist researchers called Anonymous Comrades Collective, 
who published a report about the group and named the two people who are running the group. Once I heard about it, I kind of wanted to know more and know what was happening in the group. So I decided to look into it and I was surprised to find that I was able to join us without any vetting. <laughs> it was open to the public. Wow. And as someone who covers extremism a lot, it was, I was just blown away about how open and how in your face the kind of anti-Semitic, racist, neo-Nazi aspects of this group was. Okay, so you got in. So tell me about the group. Who started it? Yeah, so the the couple ran the group under the aliases uh, Mr. and Mrs. Saxon. But the anonymous comrades collective were able to use biographical information that they had shared and other open source information. They were able to track down the couple and identify them as Logan and Katya Lawrence, who live in Upper Sandusky, Ohio. Now, Logan Lawrence is from the town. He is a part of a major family in the town who run an insurance agency, and he has lived there all his life. But Katja Lawrence is actually originally from the Netherlands, and she met her future husband while he was at a beer festival in Germany. She moved to the US, and in 2017, she was naturalized, and they now have four children who they homeschool in the Nazi ideology in Ohio. Okay, so they started this dissident homeschool network. When did that start? So the dissident homeschool network was started in 2021. And this is after they had tried the local public schools for a couple of years, but they found that they weren't, I guess, teaching enough Nazi ideology at the local public schools. So they decided to homeschool their own children. I had asked around here and there, but we couldn't really find a lot that really pleased me. So I, I felt like I had things to share. This is Katya Lawrence on a famous neo-Nazi podcast. And she relates that right when they launched the group, it just took off instantly. We reached out to the Lawrences multiple times for an interview, but they never responded to us. It took off really well. Apparently, there are a lot of people interested in homeschooling their kids. They were sharing resources, lesson plans, classroom schedules even, and lots, lots of different Nazi-inspired resources that other parents could then use to teach their children. So within a couple of months of it launching, the channel had grown very quickly, rapidly to over a thousand members, which I suppose indicates how much demand there is for this type of content out there, which is a really strange thing to say, but that's people clearly wanted this. When they passed the thousand follower mark, Katya Lawrence, who was, who, who was the main person posting in the group, she posted to celebrate a thousand followers. She posted a photo of German school children doing the Nazi salute in a classroom. And she wrote, it fills my heart with joy to know there's such a strong base of homeschoolers and homeschool interested national socialists. Hail victory. Mm-hmm. So again, very obvious, very open about what exactly they were doing, not trying to hide it in any way, not using code words or dog whistles or anything like that. And by the time January this year came around when the anonymous group unmasked the Lawrence's, the network had grown to just about two and a half thousand members. Okay, so about 2,500 subscribers 
unclear how many children that actually equates to, because presumably these are parents who are subscribed to this Telegram channel, right? Yeah. But that's that's a fair number of people. It is. And like we know some of those people were not based in the US. There were some people in the UK and some people in Germany. But the majority of the people were in the US. We don't know where they were located. So we don't know exactly how many kids this equates to, as you said, but we know for a fact that there was a lot of people using the information that the Lawrences were putting out there. So does that mean that the Lawrences were only teaching Nazi propaganda and, and not like anything else, like regular math or science? Um, well, it's, it's obviously impossible for us to tell, you know, what they were doing on a day-to-day basis. But if you look through the resources that they shared in the Dissident Homeschool Network, pretty much all of it was infused with Nazi or racist or anti-Semitic ideology, whether it was math lessons that was taught on the basis of crime rates in predominantly black cities and showing how they were greater than crime rates in predominantly white cities. Um, or one lesson plan that I looked at, it opened with a quote from Adolf Hitler. So, it, you know, <laughs> lots of it isn't very subtle. It's right there in your face. So it seems that while they did profess at least to teach all the regular stuff like maths and English and science and whatever else, there was always this Nazi flavor to the lesson plans. Now, in the one interview that they have given since they were unmasked, unsurprisingly, they spoke to a, a white supremacist website, which has links to the National Justice Party, and they described their curriculum as wholesome. And they said that the Nazi-infused stuff that they shared on the Dissident Homeschool Network was just extra fun. And that, for the most part, they taught their kids regular curricula. But it's it's very hard to know exactly what they were teaching. David, I will never forgive you for putting the term Nazi flavor in my head. (laughs) Um, That's horrifying. Apologies. David, what happened after these people's identities were made public? So after the Lawrences were named by the Anonymous Comrades Collective and people were made aware of this, there was obviously outrage. But on the Telegram group, it went from having two and a half thousand members to having over 3,000 members within the space of a couple of days. So it actually grew rather than shrunk. Wait, more people joined when they... Well, of course. Why am I even surprised? Yeah. As you say, it's not a big surprise, but there was some outrage, especially on social media, about this. I was horrified at the reports of the use of Nazi curriculum, and I immediately denounced that in a statement last week. Stephanie Siddons, who's the interim superintendent of public instruction at the Department of Education in Ohio, she said that she was outraged and saddened by the news. And Ohio's governor, Mike DeWine, he condemned the group as well. Now, according to the governor's office, racism and anti-Semitism are vile and repugnant. Governor DeWine condemns them in all their forms. Representative Bob Latta, who represents the district where the Lawrences lived, called for investigation and saying that hatred and bigotry have absolutely no place in America. And Ohio Representative Jim Jordan, who heads up the House Judiciary Committee, said that there was no room for anything like this or Nazism in Ohio. What about the people from Upper Sandusky? Have they said anything about this? 
it fully not Prasandowski itself, there was there was kind of an an interesting mix. First, people definitely seemed shocked or outraged. The the sheriff of Wyandotte County, where Upper Sandusky is, posted a statement on Facebook. Logan Lawrence's family, for example, it took quite a few days for this to happen, but they operate a, a prominent insurance agency in the town, and they posted a statement on their website condemning the viewpoints and ideology expressed by Logan Lawrence and his wife. But some of the residents that uh, I spoke to said they weren't surprised to hear that a couple in the town had kind of held these these pretty horrific views. Quite frankly, I was not surprised that this was linked back to Upper Sandusky. Courtney, the, the former resident we heard from earlier on, told me that she expected something like this to happen. There is a known undertone of these racial issues there, and everybody just turns a blind eye to it. I had to relearn everything once I got out of that town, and I knew... And Courtney went to high school with with Logan Lawrence, and she knew him quite well, and she posted a video on TikTok. Yes, I am from Upper Sandusky, Ohio, and yes, I do know the family that created the dissident homeschool group. The husband and I graduated together, and I've got stories, so buckle up. In her video on TikTok, Courtney shared some of the, this was what she called red flags about Logan that she had witnessed throughout her time knowing him in high school. Weirdly obsessed with World War II. Including one strange incident where he mocked a school event focused on segregation with a Martin Luther King style speech that he gave over the intercom. Martin Luther King Jr. over the intercom. And after she posted her video, she told me that she was immediately hit with a barrage of messages telling her to take the video down. Once I posted that TikTok video, some of the people that really came into the comment section, they they had just this fuel. You're just trying to divide us. You're trying to divide our community. It's kind of this idea that if you speak out against this, you're speaking out against Upper Sandusky. And as Courtney said, the culture in the town kind of actively silences anyone who tries to speak out. And I've spoken to many people in the town who've said they felt exactly like this, and they said they were just too nervous to speak on the record about issues in the town. I had people, you know, start to comment, hey, that was a great video. I've always wanted to say stuff like that, but, you know, I still live in this town and I can't speak like that. Upper Sandusky is so cult-like. There's usually about six families that run the entire show. They run the government, they run the businesses, and the Lawrences are part of those families. And as Courtney alluded to, Upper Sandusky does have a history of racism. Researchers believe it used to be a sundown town, and one online college website, which documents what happened in sundown towns, claims that a sign posted at a local mill read, N-word, don't let the sun set on you. Courtney said that when she was growing up, it was kind of this open secret that the Ku Klux Klan were still operating in the area and were kind of meeting in farm buildings just outside the town. Wow. Yeah, like it's it's an overwhelmingly white town. There's just six people out of 6,600 identifying as black. I think it was 95% of people reported their ethnicity as white only. So even though Logan Lawrence kind of seemed off, I guess is how Courtney would have described it, she said she knew he wasn't the only person who held those views in this town. 
frankly, I wasn't surprised it was him, but I really wouldn't have been surprised if it was any other than 50% of my classmates. Uh, that is how deep the race issues go in that community. I, I wish that he, I could say that he felt like an outlier, but he wasn't. Okay, but you mentioned that the superintendent from the Department of Education said that she was outraged, right? So is the DOE doing anything about this or are they running an audit of all the homeschooled kids in the state? Like, is that even the right way to address that? Yeah, so I guess that's one of the immediate questions we have is what is the department going to do about this? So I asked them. Ohio's Department of Education is investigating a homeschooling network that claims public schools are run by, quote, Zionist scum. And a few days after the Lawrences were unmasked, the Department of Education announced that they were going to investigate the homeschool network. All right. That's after the break. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, David, before the break, you mentioned that the Ohio Department of Education was going to investigate this homeschooling network. What exactly was the goal of this investigation? That's difficult to say even now, because they said initially in their response to me, they said that they were going to review the situation. They were aware of the reports of what was happening. But given the fact that this was such a kind of decentralized network and that all the members were anonymous, effectively, there wasn't a huge amount that they could do beyond looking at the couple in Ohio. But you very quickly learn when you speak to people about homeschooling in Ohio that the regulations there are not very robust and they give the parents a huge amount of freedom on the curriculum they teach their children. So, like, while some other states require homeschool children to take part in standardized testing and the parents have to meet in person with the teachers to assess, you know, how their kids are developing, Ohio doesn't hold these requirements for homeschooling. And that's not to say that Ohio is, like, at the bottom of the scale in terms of the rules. It's, it's very much in the middle of what people would expect for homeschooling rules in the U.S. There, there are a lot of other states with 
even more lax rules and regulations around homeschooling. So in Ohio, what parents have to do is they have to commit to providing 900 hours of instruction per year to their child. They have to notify the superintendent every year and they have to provide an assessment of the student's work. They also have to provide an outline of the curriculum they're going to teach and send that in. But parents really can't be compelled to teach a you know, a curriculum contrary to their religious beliefs and the First Amendment protects the right of parents to to talk effectively about anything, including neo-Nazi ideology in front of their children. The department has limited oversight over the curriculum. We would not even review it. Again, this is Stephanie Siddons, the interim superintendent of the Department of Education in Ohio. So a home educator would submit an outline of the curriculum to the local district, and the local district would be responsible for reviewing just that outline, but does not look at the curriculum. There's no approval of that. So that is the way home education is set up to allow for the most flexibility. So it's really difficult for the superintendents for the Department of Education to keep track, given that there's 50,000 children in Ohio homeschooled at the moment. And I spoke to someone who said that they effectively, when you send in your curriculum, it's a rubber stamping exercise where the superintendent never checks what is actually in it, and they just see that you have sent something in, tick a box, and you're given the okay to homeschool your children. David, basically what you're telling me is that everything that I thought I knew about homeschooling, like, isn't happening in Ohio. Like, I definitely know the version where parents have to administer state tests to their kids to make sure that they're meeting, like, minimum requirements, right? But what you're telling me is that that's not at all the case in Ohio. It's just about submitting a curriculum that somebody may or may not actually read. You're right. That's absolutely right. And it's it's a system based on trust, effectively. The the superintendent is trusting that the parent has the children's best interests at heart. And when that's not the case, there's very little they can do. What exactly was the result of the Department of Education's investigation in Ohio? Um, I, I, I probably wouldn't, looking back now, I wouldn't call it an investigation. I think a review is what they kind of loosely called it. They did not contact the superintendent. I confirmed with him that he hadn't been contacted as part of this investigation. So you would suspect that if there was a proper investigation happening, they would have at least contacted him to see if the Lawrences had submitted the right forms in time, all that stuff. And so the extent of the Department of Education's investigation seems seems pretty limited. And in early February, Siddons was actually questioned about the limited oversight of the Department of Education at the Ohio House Finance Committee. So at the bare minimum, did the department find that there is anything that needs to be done to stop thousands of people in Ohio, students from being indoctrinated into the Nazi ideology? Uh, so I think that, again, it, it is spelled out in Ohio Administrative Code uh, currently how um, home education is uh, implemented. And so, uh, again, happy to work and discuss what with all of you uh, any uh, recommendations. Uh, but again, by design, this is uh, the State Department of Education does not review local schools curriculum or home educators curriculum. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's that's not great. 
Um, but I guess I'm not surprised, given everything you've told me about how lax the rules are around homeschooling in Ohio. Yeah. I guess the thing that I'm most surprised by is that the DOE said that they would investigate at all. Because it, it really seems like they, they have no power to do anything, regardless of what they find. So it's almost like they, they said this out loud to placate the public and, and just kind of make the story go away. They, they knew they had to say something. So this is what they said. And ultimately, as you said, they didn't have any power to do anything, so they couldn't do anything. So does that mean that the only way to stop this kind of network would be to change the rules around homeschooling in Ohio? Like, is anybody trying to do that? Oh, yeah, there's, there's lots of people trying to do that, but not, not in the way that you might think. Um, they're going in the opposite direction. God damn it. Okay. So the, there's, I think, four bills in total, three or four bills at least, which are kind of affecting homeschooling regulation and oversight in the Ohio Senate at the moment and being pushed by Republican lawmakers. The bill, heard Tuesday, would expand the EdChoice voucher system. The bill would also expand the homeschool tax credit from $250 to $2,000, which raises concerns. So one of the bills is pushing to increase the amount of tax breaks that homeschool parents get from $250 to $2,000. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself if you're not teaching someone to hate, but there's no oversight into what you use the money for. And also, the way that it's going to be funded is that the money is going to be diverted from public schools and put towards both homeschooling and private and charter schools so that public mm. students get get less money. There's another bill going through the Senate, Senate Bill 1. State lawmakers are now considering Senate Bill 1. It's an education bill that would give more responsibility to parents and less to superintendents regarding homeschooling in Ohio. It would actually put less oversight in the hands of superintendents. We've already discussed how little that is anyway, and put more in the hands of parents. You would think that in response to this, someone would at least try to put in a rule that would prevent people from teaching their kids that some people are less than human. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, there's there's nothing on the slate in those, in those terms so far. And in fact, some lawmakers have kind of sought to downplay the significance of the revelations about the Lawrences and the Nazi homeschool network, kind of claiming again that it's an isolated situation. Senate President Matt Hoffman, for example, emphasized that these were just a couple of sociopaths doing strange things. So basically, some people are saying that this situation is an outlier, that it doesn't say anything about how homeschooling is regulated generally. But is that actually true? Have there been other instances of this kind of homeschool happening before? This hasn't happened before to this extent. And as I was saying earlier, when I first clicked on the Dissident Homeschool Network and saw what they were sharing so openly, so overtly, I was genuinely shocked that this was actually happening. So we haven't seen something like this before. But what we have seen is that there are lots of groups out there who are spreading what is kind of white supremacist ideology, but not so overtly. 
they're using more coded language, they're using dog whistles, they're using lots of different tricks to hide what the ultimate goal of their curriculum is. You know, it's interesting. I can be, you know, here on my high horse thinking that's wrong. But I think this is a really complicated issue. And I can understand why a parent might not want the state to decide what their kids learn. If I had kids in Florida right now, I'd probably pull them out of school because I would want them to learn proper sex ed and I would want them to be able to have access to books written by trans and gay authors, right? So really my outrage isn't at all about homeschooling being loosey-goosey in this case. It's that looseness allowing for kids to be taught to hate. And I think that's a really important distinction here. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, And I think there are so many issues with education across the U.S. at the moment, and it's becoming so politicized. And what shocked me about this is the fact that they can teach their kids that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is a figure to be hated. They can teach their kids that Jews should be hated. They can teach their children that whites are a superior race. And those children have no option but to listen to it and be indoctrinated into this. So, David, one of the things that you said earlier is that this homeschooling network actually grew after it it was publicized, right? After it was revealed who these people were. I would imagine that as a journalist, that's something that's in the back of your mind too, right? Because as you're writing these stories, more people are getting to know about them. More people are getting to know about this homeschooling network. How do you navigate that knowing that your stories may actually contribute to even more people wanting to join? Yeah, it's it's a really difficult thing to balance. And you're right, like immediately after lots and lots of people joined that hadn't joined before, obviously some of them were journalists and researchers who wanted to track it, but definitely there wasn't 500 journalists and researchers who joined the group. But for those criticizing our coverage of it and saying we shouldn't report it because we're just giving them a platform, this group had grown from nothing to two and a half thousand members all on their own in the space of 18 months when no one paid any attention to it. And it wasn't like they were necessarily trying to hide it. They were speaking on podcasts that were publicly available. And if this hadn't been revealed, if these people hadn't been on mass and we hadn't reported on it, the network had already shown that it could continue to grow in its own right. And it would have continued to grow and continued to grow and continued to grow in the shadows. So by shining a light on it, it's been exposed. And while, yes, it may drive it underground into a more private chat room, that's going to make it much harder for lots of other people to find. So I think that the balance, it's the right thing to do to write about this this group and to unmask them and to name them. David, What's the latest with the online homeschooling network? Where does it stand today? So today, the Dissident Homeschool Telegram channel is now deleted. It was deleted several days after it became public. 
in the days after it, another dissident homeschool channel on Telegram was launched. It has the same name. There's maybe two or 300 members, but no content has been posted on that channel. And it's, it's unclear if the Lawrences are involved in this network. So it's, for now, it's, there is no clear indication whether the Lawrences are going to get back to building this community again. They may be doing it in private. They may have learned their lesson from being so open, but it's impossible to say. But what we can say is that there is nothing stopping them from doing it all over again. All right. I mean, <laughs> that's um, that's somewhat bleak, but we can't always end every episode with a super hopeful bit of information about about the story that we're talking about. Sometimes it's just here's some information. This sucks. And that's the way it is. And I just really appreciate knowing about it. So, David, thank you so much for your reporting on this. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I always really appreciate it. No problem. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This story was reported by David Gilbert and produced by Sheena Ozaki. It was edited by Adiza Egan and Ashley Gleek. Vice News Reports is produced by Sam Egan, Sophie Kazis, Sheena Ozaki, Adriana Rodriguez, and Adriana Tapia. Our senior producers are Jesse Alejandro Cutrell, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our supervising producer is Ashley Gleek. Our associate producer is Steph Brown. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producers are Adiza Egan and Stephanie Kariuki. Annie Aviles is our executive editor, and Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. Charles Roggio is the head of Vice Audio. And I'm Ariel Zumros. If you have the time this week, it would be so great if you could leave us a review or a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, because... It really helps people decide whether they want to click on that play button when they land on our page. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week.